listening to Treasuring Scripture, a podcast of the weekly teaching ministry of Lebanon Baptist Church, Roswell, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us at LebanonBaptist.org. What a song, what a reminder that one day everything will be made right. Well, of course, our culture, our government has established this as Mother's Day. But let me remind you that uh, if you focus on that, we'll always come up wanting. Because any, you could say, focus on any type of other person, man, is going to be in some ways not adequate. But let me remind you that today is first and foremost the Lord's Day. It is the Lord's Day. And it's because of what he did that there is another day that's coming when those of us who have placed our faith in him, everything will be made right. And so until that day, let us keep pursuing him. I trust you will do that. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans 4. We as a church have been exploring this key part of the Bible. Many of you know that the Bible has 66 books in it. And all of them are precious. All of them are the Word of God. And we have chosen as a church to look at one particular book over the course of numbers of months. And we have been exploring this letter to the Romans. And we have made it today uh, uh, to Romans 4. We're near the end of this chapter. And as I've told you each week, that as we study the book of Romans in your New Testament, this whole entire letter is all about God's rescue plan. Of course, the title of this series is The Power of the Gospel. That word gospel is the good news. And that good news has incredible power. In fact, it can assure you eternal life in heaven. And this particular letter, Paul discloses and uncovers all the jewels that are found within this gospel message. In fact, it tells us how you and I can receive eternal life. How you can know for sure that if you were to die today that you would live forever with God. But not simply eternal life. The book of Romans shows you how you can live your current life properly. As you were designed to live it. Just like a hammer was created to pound things. And just like a pen was designed to write things. And just like a convertible was designed to look good and go fast. You were designed to live in relationship with God, and you were designed to live eternally with him. But of course, something messed up, and we needed the gospel, and the gospel helps us get back into what you were created to do, and that was to live in relationship with God. And this book uncovers this. Of course, we're in Romans 4. In Romans chapter 1, he introduced the theme That's in verse 16 and 17 where he tells you that he himself, Paul, was not ashamed of this message because 
it is within this message that you find the power to have God's righteousness credited to your account. So he introduced the theme in chapter one. He, of course, also introduced our problem, and that's this, that God's wrath is resting on all humanity because all of us have been rebels. All of us have gone gone our own way, and none of us are left out of the mix. We all, whether we've grown up in religious backgrounds or you could say sinful backgrounds, all of us are sinners, all of us are messed up, but God has provided a remedy. And that remedy was through his son, Jesus Christ. But now you and I who were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You and I can have a rescue. And we've learned that that rescue in chapters three and four is by none other than you and I turning from our own merits and placing our faith in another. Placing our faith in in Jesus Christ and him alone to be our savior. You and I, if we are going to get to heaven, it is not gonna be any of our own doing. It is because we have placed our faith in Christ and believed in him. And as you come to Romans four, where we are this morning, in order to illustrate that salvation is by faith, he brings to us somebody who illustrates this faith. In fact, he's a father of many of our faith, and he brings up this guy by the name of Abraham, an actual historical figure that even the three main religions, three of the main religions of our day affirm him. Judaism, Islam, Christianity. This man is an important man, and he is the one that Paul selects to show and give us a model of what it means to be a person of faith. And so this morning, I'd like to read to you, beginning in verse 13, and I'm going to read through 22. We'll focus in on verses 18 and 22, but just by way of ramping ourselves up to there, let me read to you from Romans 14. I'll begin reading in verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the inheritance of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings death, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist And then the beginning of our text this morning, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old 
or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Will you join me as I pray? Father, I need and this congregation needs to hear the shepherd's voice. We know, and I affirm myself, that I'm simply an under-shepherd, but I need everyone in this room to hear the good shepherd's voice. And so I ask today that as I share your word, And as I speak from this text of Scripture, that you would allow your son's precious words, that you would allow Jesus' voice to be heard through my voice. And Father, if there are any sheep that you want to bring into your fold today, if there are any wandering sheep that are already part of your family that need to be brought in, May they hear your voice this morning through my voice. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, over the last number of years, YouTube repair videos have been uh, basically saved my bacon on many occasions. Uh, All family uses these to help fix things. Of course, it was a few years ago. Our uh, washer went out, and of course, my wife jumped on YouTube and figured out how to fix our washer. In fact, now, 24 years later, our washer is still working and dryer, okay? Uh, When my son bought his uh, old used pickup truck, YouTube videos have become very helpful to fix those nagging problems that arise with pickup trucks that are old. All of us are very thankful for being able to visually look at something and learn how to fix things. We like visual examples. You know what? The same when it comes to faith. All of us benefit from being able to see the faith of other people. Josh read just a few moments ago of Timothy's story and how Timothy embraced the faith. And part of the reason he embraced the faith, of course, the faith, it's all because of God, but God used a woman named Lois and another woman named Eunice who modeled the faith that ultimately he embraced. It's interesting that here in Romans 4, the Apostle Paul stops And he records the life of a man by the name of Abraham to show us how this man became a person of faith. And he models it and displays it before us brilliantly in our text. In fact, our text lays out for us a YouTube video of Abraham's faith. Now, if you wanted to get the extended version of Abraham's faith, let me entreat you to read Genesis 12 through Genesis 24 and get the full extended version of this man's faith. 
If you want to get a trailer of it, go to Hebrews chapter 11 and just see a shortened version of how this man lived by faith. Today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to explore our text, but also right before I do that, point out a little bit more of his faith in Genesis 15. Let me read this to you. Okay, I, in fact, I saved so you didn't have to turn there, but listen to what it says about this man's faith. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Many of you know his name began as Abram. Later, he would call him Abraham. The Lord came to Abram in a vision, and he said this, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And that's the promise. Your offspring is going to be like this. Today I'm going to do something maybe a little bit unusual. I'm going to use these two texts to show you what saving faith looks like in real life. And I have a number of points, okay? But I'm going to fly through them. Some of you are saying, when, when I'm about to tell you how many points I'm going to have, some of you are like, I'm going to be here till two? Okay, there's, there's, there's pot roast, okay? There's something in the oven. Or, oh wait, it's Mother's Day. You guys are probably a lot of you going out to eat. Or uh, uh, you're, you're making uh, uh, a meal for your mother. So I've got 10, and we're going to run through them. And here they are. So buckle your seatbelts. We're going to learn about Abraham's faith. And the first is this. As we examine faith, I want you to see that faith is not the absence of fear. We can sometimes think that people of faith never flinched, that they just had it all right, all the time, that's what they had. But as I just read the Genesis text that talks about this man of faith, Notice that God commanded him. Look what the text says again. It says, these things, I mean, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And what does he tell him to do? Fear what? Fear not, which meant that he was what? He was fearing. He was struggling with fear. No doubt he looked at all of his own circumstances and did what many of us do in life. We are people who fear everything that's going on. And where did that start? It started in in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, what do they do? They go in hiding. They fear God in the wrong type of way. And I want all of us to understand as we begin this trying to grasp the faith of Abraham, understand that the best of us oftentimes will get overcome by fear. It comes upon us quickly and intensely. I always think of the disciples in that boat 
on the Sea of Galilee when everything's probably going really good and within just a few moments, they are fearing for their life and they're coming to Jesus and they're saying this, do you not care that we perish? We're about to die. And people of faith, you know what? Oftentimes will be people that still have fear. It may be anxiety, it may be despair, it may be depression. You know, uh, not this past Easter, but the Easter before, I preached to you on Philippians 4, 6, and I opened up my own life. And now here I am living, I believe, a life of faith, but how often I can get just caught up in the fear of, I mean, of anxiety, how quickly it can come upon us. And the same was true of Abraham. You may be here today and you may be someone who right now is under the grip of fear. You don't know what the future has for you. You've believed in Christ. Some of you may not have, and I hope you will, but you'd say, is the life of faith sometimes accompanied by fear? Yes. Look at Abraham. Abraham dealt with this just like you do. What do you need to do? I mean, he commands you not to fear. So you need to repent when you get involved in it and then seek to follow him. And one of the best ways, as I shared with you in reference to anxiety, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds. So number one, Faith is not simply the absence of fear. Okay, number two, faith is not the absence of protest. You can be here today and you can be a person of faith like Abraham. However, you got some protest in reference to what's going on in your life. Maybe you're the type of person who says, yeah, I've got some questions, God, that you have allowed these particular things to come up. In fact, In the Genesis passage, after God tells Abraham not to fear, I want you to notice this, Abraham offers protest to God's promise because God had said, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to give you a son, I'm going to give you a great blessing, all the world's going to be blessed through your, your son. But you know what he has? He has some questions. And he has some statements. Look again at what it says. But Abram said to him, right in the middle of the verse, Oh God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, then he says this. He asked God a question. And then he says, behold, look, you have given me no offspring. A member of my household will be my heir. Okay, it's going to be Eliezer. So here was a guy who's living a life of faith, but you know what he had? He had some questions for God, and he had some statements for him. God had promised Abraham a seed, but Abraham couldn't see the way forward. He could only see his perspective. And you know what he does? He does what a lot of the book of Psalms do. He laments. God, look at this situation. It looks like everything is falling apart. Faith doesn't mean that 
you won't struggle with seeing the big picture. That there won't be hard times for you to catch why he's doing what he's doing. In fact, the whole book of Habakkuk is a book where Habakkuk is lamenting before God and says, God, why are you allowing these absolutely wicked people to punish your people? And then God comes to Habakkuk and basically says, Habakkuk, guess what? It's just going to get worse for you. And Habakkuk's like, God, what in the world? And God unveils, this is what I'm doing? You're not going to understand it all? And Habakkuk ends with this. Even though he had questions and statements for God, he says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, nor there be fruit in the vine, but I will do this. I will trust in you. Habakkuk was a man of faith, but being a person of faith doesn't mean that sometimes you're coming to him with questions and statements like, I don't see how this is going to work. You know what? That's natural for us because we are finite beings who don't have the capabilities of the great mathematician God himself. He understands all the equations. He has them all answered. But you and I, all we got is consumer math, okay? And that's the length of what we can do. And sometimes we're going to have questions for him. And it's okay to ask questions. You may be here today and you've got lots of questions about what God is doing in your life right now. That doesn't mean that you can't be a person of faith. It's what you do when God talks back to you in his word. It's okay to question God, but it's not okay to depart from God. And even sometimes when you feel like you're departing, those of you who truly know him, he will hold you what? He will hold you fast. Don't give up. Abraham probably had a lot of reasons why he could have given up. But let's continue in Romans to see what he does. I love what Psalm, I think, 61 says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is not the absence of protest. But I also want you to see this. Faith is found in hopeless situations. Now, go back to the Romans text, okay? I want you to see how Abraham was in a seeming hopeless situation. Look what it says in verse 13, excuse me, verse 18. It says, in hope, he believed against hope. So zero in, first of all, on that word believed. That means that Abraham trusted God. In fact, that first little phrase, in hope, also kind of puts an exclamation part uh, point on what he believed. He believed and he did it in hope. But what type of situation was Abraham in? Well, that last little phrase explains it. Against hope. So let me read the whole phrase again. In hope he believed, yes, against hope. Everything was going wrong for him. Everything didn't look right. 
What was this situation? It was, it's seeming as if it was hopeless. Look at verse 19. It says this, he did not weaken in faith when he considered, and what was he looking at? He considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Okay, here's this guy, and he's getting old. He's like 9,900 years old. He's weakening physically, and it's interesting. It's almost like a play on words. As he's breaking down, it says this, he did not weaken in faith, but he believed. Even though what he saw with his eyes was this, I'm as good as dead. Now, the idea is this, for him to be able to produce an heir, that it would be actually be his kids at 100 years old, even at that time, he looked at it and says, this is impossible with me. And then it says this, add to that, that Sarah, I mean, think about it. She had gone through all of her childbearing years, got to a place where she could no longer have a child, and that went on for a number of years. She was like, her womb was like a desert. I mean, think about it. She went through 89 Mother's Days. No kid. It was, it was a hopeless situation for her. In fact, when she heard God tell Abram that they were going to have a child, she laughed inside herself. If you right now are in a very hopeless situation and you're like, can I really exercise faith? Let me tell you that you're in just the right spot. Because it is in those hopeless situations that God can help you to exercise faith. And that's the very time you need to. I mean, you think about Paul, who's writing this letter. Hopeless situation. He gets beaten in Philippi, and he's thrown into the inner prison. And what does he do? He hopes in God. And there's an earthquake, and he sees someone saved. You think about uh, when he gets thrown into another prison, when he's thrown into the prison at Rome. And he writes to Philippians and says, I'm in a really hopeless situation. However, I'm exercising faith. And as a result of that, all the Praetorian guard are following Christ because they're seeing my faith in this situation. When you have really difficult times, that's when you can actually do this. You actually will look up when you realize you cannot accomplish anything. And that's where Abraham was. He says, I can't produce an error. I can't do it. I've tried it all on my own. And when you're in a situation, when it's done, you're finished with it, that's when you need to look up. In fact, if you're a believer today, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're going to end up in heaven, that had to happen at some point in your life. You realize that you were a sinner, you deserved hell, and there was actually no good works that you could do in order to earn your way to heaven. You were hopeless. 
And it was at that point you heard about Jesus and what he did, and you had to just say, I can't, you can, I believe in you, and you got saved. That's what faith is. It's where you turn to another person. You may be in a situation right now where all the wind is out of your sails and you feel like I can't do it. I told you when I was reporting back about our trip to uh, the Holy Land, we had gone to Egypt. And at one point in our tour, we were, uh, our group was to get on a boat, a sailboat on one side of the Nile and we were gonna sail across to the Luxor Temple on the other side. But when we got on the boat, guess what? There was no wind. And in fact, we just like, for like 45 minutes, we're just on the one side of the Nile, okay? And it was like, all we were doing was floating down the Nile and we were like, how are we gonna get over there? Some of you are like, how in the world? I can't do anything and I couldn't do anything with the wind. Only, only God can control the wind. So what did we do? We called for help and thankfully there was some guy with a motorboat who hitched himself to the two sailboats that we were at and they hauled us across the Nile so we could continue our tour. And in the same way, you know what? It's when you can't do anything that you begin to call out to people for help and the only person who can help is God and that's where Abraham got to. God had made these promises. He says, I can't do it. I've tried it all. I tried Hagar. I tried Eliza, but God, you're the one. So faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is not the absence of protest. Faith is found in hopeless situations. Some of you are like, great, this is good for me because I fear a lot, I protest a lot, and I'm pretty hopeless. So that brings us to our next point. Faith is centered on God. Okay, the key, okay, the key for Abraham and the key for all of us is to whom we look. Who do we look at when all of those things are going on? I want you to go back one verse from our text. Go back to verse 17. This is the text that I I talked about last week, but listen to what it says in verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many, many nations in the presence of the God, okay, uh, 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 note that, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. The focus here is this. The focus is who you look at. Faith and its effectiveness does not rely on your action. Faith is not what you conjure up. Faith, what matters with faith is who you look to. It's not where you conjure up, as I said, some super energy. I got to build some faith here. It's where you transfer everything to another person and you just say, God, I need you in this. Okay. Uh, Right now we're doing some work in our kitchen and uh, we're replacing uh, we replaced our double oven. And when they came to deliver our double oven that we had scheduled, we realized that the hole for our double oven was a quarter inch 
we needed another quarter inch cut out. And if you know me, okay, I am not the tool guy. If you get a saw in my hand, everything will fall apart. Okay. And I realized it. I realized, I was like, and here the guys are waiting. We, we got, we, I didn't want to have to reschedule them. I, I was in a hopeless situation. So what did I do? I just started calling people. Can you help? Can you help? Can you help? And thankfully, I have a neighbor. Okay, he's like the mechanical guru. He had just the right tool. He had just the right skill to be able to do exactly what was needed. But what I had to do was I had to look to him. I had to have faith in him. And he did exactly what I needed. And, and in the same way, you in life, okay, you and I do not have any of the skills to save ourselves or to rescue ourselves from situations, the very one who designed you and created you, because of the fall, you have turned from him, but you have to turn back to him. And the way you turn back to him is you look to his son, Jesus. And when you believe in him and you place your faith in him, he's the one who will get you through. And that is what Abraham had to do. And that's what verse 17, verse 17 is the foundation of verses 18 through 22. The reason he could believe all this is because who he knew, and it was God. And when you have God in the picture and you know this God, faith is centered on him. Now, do you know who to call when you got trouble? Do you know the one who you need to have a direct line with? Let me tell you, you got to have a direct line with God. And he, thankfully, has revealed himself to this world in grace. How do you get to know this God? Well, you remember what 2 Timothy says? It says there is one God, and then there is one mediator between God and men. And that man was Jesus what? Christ. That's how you get to know this God. You got to get home through his son. In fact, in John chapter one, verse 18, it says this, no one has ever seen God. So if you're in here today and you say, I've seen God before, the text says no one has ever seen God. But then it says this, the only God, this God that, that's invisible, there is one who is at the father's side, that's Jesus, He has made him what? Known. How do you get to know the one true God? All you got to do is you have to look at Jesus. So if there was someone in here who actually saw the risen Christ, you have seen God. Because you've looked at him through his son. And he is the very image of God. Say, so Pastor Brian, how do I exercise faith? Okay, You exercise faith and you get to know this God through his son. And as you develop faith, realize that faith is often going to times be accompanied by fear. It's going to be accompanied by protest. You're going to be in very hopeless situations, but you got God and he's big enough for everything. That brings me to the next point. Faith comes by the word of God. How do you get this faith? How does it get infused into your life? What's the avenue by which you and I develop faith? I want you to look at verse 18 again. It says this. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. 
As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Notice that Abraham's faith materialized in a promise that he would be the father of nations. Now, how did he get that info? How did did Abraham learn that he was going to be the father of many nations? It was this reason. God spoke to him with his word. God revealed himself. And this is what Abraham had to do. As he heard God's word, he listened to it and he believed it. In fact, there was that little promise. Notice at the end of verse 18, it says this, quote, so shall your offspring be. Okay, you know what oftentimes what I do when I try to memorize scripture? I take three by five cards. I put the reference on one side and I put the Bible verse on the other. And I oftentimes have the little quote things in there. And so when I try to memorize a verse, that's how I do it. Okay, if Abraham had a three by five card set, one of his verses would have been this. God said, so shall your offspring be. And then maybe he had in parentheses, remember the stars that I saw that night? God, you said this, and I'm going to believe what your word says. How do you and I grow in our faith? Listen to what Paul will later say in Romans, in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You got to be people that open your ears to the scripture. That's where faith is grown. That is the greenhouse of faith. The life of faith is one that is born in the scriptures and is nurtured wherever the word of God is present. I often tell people, uh, your Bible is like a refrigerator, okay? Our refrigerator helps nourish our entire family, okay? And if you open our refrigerator, you got all types of food. You got meat, you got milk, you got yogurt, you got cheese, you got all different types of things. Your Bible is like a big refrigerator and it is there to sustain you and grow your faith. You may be a new Christian and, and you're trying to tackle certain things. Understand that some of the books of your Bible are like steak and they're really hard to understand and they're hard to chew on and you may not be ready for some of those big areas. But then you've got to find a place that's milk. What can, I, what can I learn in the Bible that I can understand and believe in? And then I grow and I understand more of what the Bible says. Faith is born and grown in the scriptures. We've got to be people who are listening and placing our faith in it. And that's what this Abraham did. Okay? Abraham lived life now 4,000 years ago. He didn't have a Bible like you and I did. But God in his providence, in revelation, he spoke to this man. And whatever he spoke to him, he believed. Now, sometimes he feared. Sometimes he questioned. But he believed it. And you and I now have 66 books of the Bible. We have all these promises. And we ought to know what the word says because that's where our faith grows. And and, and that's the foundation of faith. Abraham's life. It was the word. 
But then I want you to know next, or see next, is this. Faith involves the seed. Now for Abraham, all of the promises that God gave him, land, a child, future blessing, all of it depended on him having his own son. If the world was going to be blessed through him, it would come through a child, a son, a seed. But way off in the distance of his initial seed, Isaac, was the ultimate seed, Jesus. Because many of you know Abraham, he and Sarah didn't bear the Messiah. They bore the Messiah's great, 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 granddad. And Isaac was a sinner just like you and me. But all of his hope rested in a seed, but he looked beyond that seed to the ultimate seed, and that ultimate seed was none other than the person, Jesus Christ. Abraham didn't know all the details of how it was going to be accomplished. Okay. But biblical faith has as its ultimate ground the seed. The one who from Genesis 3 was prophesied till the book of Revelation when he has fully disclosed himself to everybody. All of the promises are all housed and find their fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, at the end of chapter 4, where we will be next week, he sums it all up. Let me just read it to you. Verse 23. But the words that is counted to him were not written for his sake only, but for ours. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. He's the seed who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. All of the faith has connections to that ultimate seed, Jesus. He's the ground of all the promises, as I said last week. Remember what 2 Corinthians 1.20 says? For all the promises of God, okay, all the ones that were given to Abraham and all the ones that are given to you, all of them find their yes in him, Jesus That is why it is through Jesus that we utter our amen to God for his glory. That's why all this morning when we were singing, who were we celebrating? Jesus. Because all of the promises find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. He's the energy behind them all. He's the key to it all. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. Okay, last last Saturday night, um, we were going to bed and... Uh, it was kind of warm because I like it cold, okay? I like it cold at night. I mean, Mark and I, we were talking about that a while back. I like it cold. I, I'd rather pull up covers than take them off. I just like, like it cold. And, uh, well, evidently, I started going up to our air conditioner, and it was just pushing out hot air. It's like something is not right. Something, something's not right. And so it came last Sunday morning. I have, a, I have another friend, okay, it's Leonard in our church. He knows a little bit about HVAC, and there's a good amount about it. And so he, I said, hey, do you mind just helping me see if I can, because it's Sunday, it's probably hard to call somebody, I probably could, but he said, my, my wife's working today, I'll come over after church, and we, uh, I, I, 
I oversaw, but I really didn't do anything. He just, he took everything apart. And we found out there was just one little wire that was holding the electricity from getting in there to pump everything. The reason our air conditioner wasn't working was it wasn't connected to the power source. Let me say, the power source of all the promises, what energizes everything was that seed of Jesus Christ. In fact, the reason that Abraham could even die in the faith and look forward to it is because he knew the ultimate seed was coming who was going to connect everything together. And so his faith, although it had fear and although he protested, although it was hopeless at times, he had it in God because his word had told him it and he knew that all of it would come to play because Jesus, the the foundation of it all, And that brings me to the next one. Faith will ultimately do what? It will persevere in it. Look what it says in verse 20 of our text. It says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in the faith as he gave glory to God. Now, did you catch that? Read that first phrase again in verse 20. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God. Now, do any of you have a problem with that statement? Because if you look at Abraham's life in Genesis 12, verse 24, does it look at times like he wavers? Hagar? Abimelech? It sure does. Does it look like when he falls on the ground and laughs when God says he's going to have a son? Doesn't that look like that? But I believe this. Notice that Paul doesn't here chronicle Abraham's ups and downs. But he chronicles Abraham's dynamic pattern of faith. You know what? He kept believing. He kept believing. Okay, a person who's conquered the Appalachian Trail. I remember last, this past fall, I ran into somebody. We were up in the Amicalola Falls area and we ran into this couple who had just finished the AT. And they had been on it for numbers of months and I'm just talking to them. I'm fascinated with, by like, how in the world did you do this? And you, you talk to someone like that, did they have ups and downs? Were there times where they wanted to give up? Were there times when uh, no doubt They were hungry, they were wet, they were cold. Yes, there were times they maybe even doubted themselves, but at the end of the day, they persevered. They got it done, and I think that's what this text is saying. True faith will persevere. It will keep going, even through the ups and downs. God's people continue. We know Abraham's ups and downs, but he perseveres. Isn't it wonderful how God looks at our faith? I mean, you read... I mean, you read Hebrews 11, I think that chapter is one of my favorite chapters because you read it and you're like, I can make it. I actually can make it. Because there's so many of these people that are in the faith chapter that you're like, remember what he says? Faith as a grain of what? Mustard seed can move a what? A mountain. And honestly, I mean, I got a lot less than a mustard seed because I haven't moved any mountains lately. But it's this idea of 
we'll continue to persevere. We'll keep going. And, and how do you do this? Well, faith, and this is the next point, focuses on the promises of God. Okay, in verse 20 and 21, twice the word promise comes up. What had God actually promised Abraham? We know this. He promised him a seed from his own body. Of course, God promised him numbers of things, but we need to know exactly what God promised us. We need to know the fine print. Okay, there are numbers of you in this room that probably one of the reasons you're doubting God is because you misunderstand what his actual promises are. Some of you are doubting God and all upset with God because you think he promised you a submissive wife or a loving husband or a really good marriage or the American dream or he's promised you a good health or success at work or a full bank account. Guess what? He has promised none of you any of those things. Could he give you a good, nice big bank account? Could he give you health? Could he give you a good marriage? He could, but he's never promised it. He has promised you this, that he will work everything for good in your life. The sad thing is there's a lot of us who think and get upset with God because we think that, hey, shouldn't it all just be hunky-dory in life and everything just be perfect for all of the believers? You know what? He, he didn't promise that. He promised if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, in fact, it's going to be suffering this side of heaven. And it's going to be hard. And if you get any of those extra things, great. That's grace. But let me say, all of you get grace. And you need to know his promises. And his promises are this. He will be with you in the thick and thin, in very difficult marriages. He will be with you when your kids rebel and go the wrong way. He will be with you when everything falls apart on your body. And you get that diagnosis. Or your husband or your wife passes. He did not promise you that they would live forever in their fallen state. But he did promise if they know Christ that they will live eternally with you in heaven. So don't get mixed up on the promises. Abraham had to know the promises and God was explicit. He says, you're gonna have a son. He's gonna come from your own bowels. And so believe that, know that, hold to that. Do you know the promises of God? Do you know what is a promise and what actually is a truism? Maybe you need to figure that out. And then trust, because guess what? Every single promise that God has ever given you, he will keep. And you can take it to the bank and you can cash it every time. Two more, here it is. Faith is strengthened as you give glory to God. This is in verse 20. Notice what it says. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Now, I want you to know that little word there, that he grew strong, okay, a little bit of Greek lesson, that word is in the passive tense, which means this, he was strengthened. 
And the idea is he didn't strengthen himself. Someone had to strengthen him. So what was happening is this, as he was in very difficult situations, he gave glory to God in the situation. And as a result of that, he was strengthened. Somebody else did it. Someone else energized him. In fact, this is the very word that is used in two other significant places by the Apostle Paul. One of them is in Philippians 4.12, where it says, I can do all things through what? Him who strengthens me. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally be strengthened or be strong in the what? In the Lord and in the strength of his might. And the idea is this, as you and I continue to go through those things and give glory to the Lord, he actually strengthens you. It's almost like an alternator on a car and how it recharges your batteries for the next miles ahead. He will strengthen you. I love that passage in Isaiah. Even the youth shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And the word there, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew. That word renew is literally this. They shall exchange strengths. God gives you the ability to exchange strengths with him. He will give you his strength to go through that trial. What a glorious truth. As you go through situations, glorify God. Your strength will be energized through him. And then the final one is this. Faith comes with righteousness. And that's what our last verse says. Look what it says in verse 22. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham is right now in the presence of God. That's where Abraham is. How did he get there? How is he the father of our faith? You know what? He believed God's word and God credited to him his righteousness. It was not Abraham trying to earn it. Abraham was given righteousness by God and his faith was illustrated not by the absence of fear, not by the absence of protest. His faith was found in very hopeless situations. Why? Because it was centered on God. It, was, it, was a, it came and sprouted out because of God's word. It involved this ultimate seed. It persevered even through difficult times. Why? Because it focused on God's actual promises and it was strengthened. Because sometimes, you know what, you're going to be very weak. It was strengthened as you continue to give glory to God in the situations. And as a result, you know what? This is what righteousness looks like. So what does saving faith look like? Look at the YouTube video. Look at Abraham. Abraham was broken. He could do nothing. And all he did was he looked to the God of the universe to save him and rescue him. And I love what the text says in Hebrews. All these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. And they lived as strangers and pilgrims in the earth and Abraham made it. And you will make it too if you will just follow in the faith of Abraham. 
Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.